Welcome to the Courage is a Skill podcast, where we talk to main people about fear. Where has it helped us? Where has it held us back? And what role does it play in our lives? We are working to demystify fear through the power of conversation and community. Courage is a skill. Let's build it together. This episode is brought to you by Brave Fitness. Brave Fitness is a training system that extends beyond the gym and into other areas of life. We are working to overcome chronic stress, anxiety, and fear while building the strongest version of ourselves. Brave Fitness is a program that we at Courage is a Skill created, and you can find our free 30-day foundations program on the Apple App Store or at courageisaskill.com. We are at Courage is a Skill on Insta and Twitter as well. This episode is also sponsored by Sea Change Yoga. Sea Change Yoga brings scientifically proven trauma-informed yoga and meditation to people unable to access the powerful benefits of this practice. Teaching 24 weekly classes to people in correctional facilities, recovery centers, transitional housing, and also offering free classes to veterans. Because yoga is for everybody, yoga heals, and all people deserve the opportunity to find balance of mind and body. Visit seatchangeyoga.org to learn more. Sea Change Yoga, supporting the healing process for people who have been affected by trauma. Our guest today is Liz Walsh. Liz is a personal friend and one of the most insightful, intuitive, and courageous people that I know. I hope that you enjoy our conversation on this first episode of Courage is a Skill. Three, two, one. (laughs) So, first episode of Courage is a Skill, and I could not be more honored, Liz, to have you be, you know, the first person that we get to to talk to and kick it about fear. So it it means the world to me to have you here. Oh, well, thank you. It's an honor to be here. Is it crazy being back in the old Yarmouth gym? This was <laughs> yes. this was our old gym for like a, a year or more. Yeah. Um, driving up, I was actually, I looked up the street, like right before I turned left, I turned my head right and I remembered running, running out down the street and then coming back with like John and Paula and everyone. It was such a super fun time. You know, for anybody listening, we're up in the, um, the upstairs of what is a a co-working space here in Yarmouth, Maine. And the downstairs used to be this 420-square-foot office where we started a gym, and it was like, that was bonkers time. What, what, do you remember your first time coming to that gym and to that, uh, to the classes there? What was that like? Thinking about fear in general, just coming to a super weird space to do a, a workout for the first time. I was a little... I wasn't sure what to expect. I remember um, I had ice cream before. (laughs) Did you really have ice cream? No way. Yeah, and then I walked in, (laughs) and I was nervous. I feel like usually you walk into a gym, and you kind of come in quietly, and nobody says very much to you, but, I mean, you were right there, and you were like, (laughs) It was hard not to be right there. Yeah, and the space was small, too, so, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, everyone was really inclusive. Mm. So... Pretty immediately, I was, like, put at ease, but... We had such fun times in that office. Yeah. So it's crazy cool to be upstairs now in the very first episode of Courage is a Skill, where we want to sit and touch on fear, what it means to us, where it um, presents in our lives, where it holds us back, where it pushes us forward. And you are, hands down, no 
doubt one of the bravest people that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, how long have we known each other now? Is three years ish? Three and a half, four years. Three and, and a half years. You're one of the people that inspires me so deeply, and I'm so honored mm-hmm. to have you on the gym, and at the gym, on the team. So this is really an honor to do this with you. It, it's really exciting. Thank you. So a question that I kind of like to kick off the conversation is like, when you hear the word fear, what does it mean to you? What bells does it ring? What do you think of? Immediately, I think of um, the image that I created when I learned about the word fear when I was a kid. Okay. Um, I think when I was three or four, I learned the word fear um, and associated it with danger. Mm-hmm. And so I created this image of like, big monsters coming through my town and like smashing the houses yeah, and yeah, yeah, how yeah, I yeah. would feel if that happened yeah. and like like the feeling of hiding under a tree like watching this monster right obviously that's not a real like yeah, yeah, yeah. danger though um so after I think of that I think more of like probably first I think of physical fears like mm-hmm. fear of heights or darkness or what are some of your physical fears? Because you're so, they're so hard to tell because you're always like in the mountains doing wild things or swinging on bars at the gym <laughs> with a gas mask. So what, what physically scares you? Heights is a big thing. Really? I didn't know that. Heights and falling, for sure. Um, I'm scared of the ocean. The ocean terrifies me. The ocean me. is terrifying <laughs> to me too. It's full of deep, dark, mysterious creatures that I don't understand. Yeah, but... At the same time, I find it to be very inspiring. Do you swim? Do you, do you go out in the ocean, or are you more of a sit and look at the ocean? I go in the water. I don't really swim, though. Mm. I would learn to surf. That's on my bucket list of Is it really? to do. I didn't know that. It's super, super cool. Yeah. <laughs> now, as far as fear of heights, when you're up in the mountains or you're walking on like a narrow ridge, is that fear still there, or is it, is it more of like a man-made height scaffold ladder thing? It's still there. It's gotten a lot better recently. Um, a couple years ago, I was in Bar Harbor hiking the Beehive with my sister. Yeah, I've heard about that trail. I've never been on it myself. Um, so it's like it's a very short trail, um, and there's a lot of like iron rungs on the rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, so at times, you kind of feel like you're exposed on a cliff, even though there's like if you fell, you'd fall onto a level. Right. It's right, not right. really dangerous. But I remember uh, my sister was, like, super speedily climbing up Mm -hmm. these ladders. And I was, like, I was frozen (laughs) on this ladder laughing. I was, like, this is so ridiculous, but I can't move. (laughs) Isn't it a really interesting response? Freezing. You know, like, I I know you and I talked about this, but when we went out to Stanford University, um, Lex and I recently, to talk with Dr. Andrew Huberman about fear, and they were doing some amazing experience, experiments in virtual reality. One of the things that he was working to really challenge is this idea that we f- have a flight or fight mechanism. And to challenge that and talk about how it's really a fight, I'm sorry, a flight or freeze mechanism and how much fight is a trained response, how we don't normally engage in a fight when we see a threat, unless we're trained to fight. Trained fighters, uh, military, will generally fight and engage during something like a, you know, a potential attack or some act of violence and really uh, us as, as as mammals we kind of run or freeze and it's it's interesting that you could see the hilarity in that in a non-deadly situation that yeah. you just kind of froze and couldn't move and you stuck yeah <laughs> it, it, it's one thing that inspires me about this podcast is it'd be really cool to get to the heart of why we do these things we're kind of like these big 
you know, funny, gentle mammals who are still kind of trapped by like some of those basic like um, old school laws of our physiology. Like, oh, frozen on a ladder. <laughs> this is too bad. I'd sure like to not be. <laughs> or I'm running out of here, you know? What role does fear play for you in the mountains? What, what draws you to go into the mountains and to explore through some of your mountaineering efforts? What, um, what role does fear play in sending you to the mountains and to different mountain ranges? I find the mountains to be really inspiring. Um, I guess it's kind of daunting thinking about when you're at the base of the mountain and you look up, mm-hmm. it's like, whoa. I have to, like, walk up this or, like, I have to get up this somehow. Mm-hmm. And then when you're in it, it's kind of more, like, small picture. You're taking one step at a time. And I don't know. I mean, it's, such an, it's such a beautiful metaphor for so many life goals. You start a business, you start a new endeavor, and it looks, like, tremendously far away. And then as soon as you're in it and you start to see the progress behind you, the trail behind you you start to look at different vistas and you know viewpoints and then you're up there it's like it's like wow it never ends you can just keep going and going and going do you remember the run that we did on your birthday yes that was the best you should you should share that on the on the podcast a little bit because that was one of my favorite memories of you me phoebe just kind of exploring mountains and exploring distance together mm-hmm. um so a few, maybe a few months before my birthday, I mentioned that I wanted to do a 23-mile hike. and <laughs> Which came like, as a surprise, because I don't know if any of us knew it. We were writing our goals on a board, <laughs> and people were like, you know, deadlift a body weight and a half. And, <laughs> and I remember, I'll never forget you writing that on there. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll never forget, you were like, oh, it's on, we're doing it. <laughs> it we're going a- to the mountains. <laughs> um, <laughs> And you were in the process of planning something really big, I think, for Brave. Um, But you took the time to plan this route for us. um, And that was really special to me. It was such an amazingly fun day. And just watching everybody feel and move so strong in the mountains. You know, I I love that. That's one thing that draws me to the mountains. You know, it's just that primal feeling, that animalistic feeling of just moving through rough mountain terrain fast and feeling better and better. So yeah, we, you all crushed that. That was so much fun. And we got burgers really and jacuzzi. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been such an honor to watch you develop as a coach at the Distance Project and, and to know that if, I, if we set somebody up with a session or a session package with you, that they're going to have this incredibly authentic, tuned-in, caring person to guide them through some really vulnerable stuff. It's vulnerable talking about your goals and in, in being tasked to move in different ways in front of somebody and wondering if you're proficient at or good enough. How, what drew you to want to coach? And, and how has the experience been for you? What else can you tell us about your, your side of the coaching experience? I, I always wanted to coach starting in high school. I wanted to be a personal trainer. And it was never something that I pursued. I went to my, I went to my first year of college and didn't know how to break into it Mm -hmm. um and then training at the distance project i was really excited for the opportunity because it's such a wonderful community um and i just love everything about what we do um but it was my first session with my first client i was like 
wow, <laughs> I need to, um, I really need to let this person know that I know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the first time I had to express how to perform certain movements that mm-hmm. they weren't familiar with, I was kind of nervous about it. Yeah, um, for sure. But in the end, speaking from the heart and just, it is a conversation. I think at first I was approaching it as like, it's a definition and I need to like have this definition memorized, but people perceive things differently. It was something you said the other day when we were learning elephant wrestling, was like some people see micro frames and some people see big picture. Yeah, I love that analogy. Yeah, um, and I find that to be really true. Some people mm-hmm. look for affirmation constantly. Yes. Like, <laughs> in ways I don't expect. And yes. then I'm like, oh, yes. okay. Yes. Um, so, like, from, if we're using the deadlift as an, mm-hmm. as an analogy, and as an example, um, from between picking up, putting their hands on the bar, mm-hmm. and lifting it, to being in the top position, um, having an athlete want to know that their path on the way up is correct. As that there's not to, just two frames, there's 35, mm-hmm. there's 40 micro frames of movement. Yes. Yeah. So it's fun to interact with different people and learn about how they learn. It, oh, it so is. I forget. It was, um, I was listening to someone that I really respect, um, Josh Waitskin, who was talking about his teacher, Marcelo Garcia in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and just talking a bit about how where one opponent or one practitioner would see two frames, he would see every transition between the frames. And you're operating in this really wonderful realm that I think, you know, in in mountaineering and rock climbing and running, in Olympic weightlifting, like any any skill-based training system, you realize that there are more and more and more micro frames that you can become proficient in, and it makes it such a fun skill to build. It keeps, I know for me, it keeps me so super engaged. Um, I love that. That makes me think of one of the rock climbers I really respect is Mm -hmm. Alex Honnold. And I just saw a video of him. So he is most well known, I think, for his free solo ascent of El Cap. Yeah. El Capitan. Um, And... I watched this little animated short of him, and he he mentioned starting small. He mentioned that he was up on the wall and was like, oh, I could imagine being up here ropeless. Mm-hmm. And then he mentioned, um, like, noticing, putting his hand on a hold and then a mouse running up his arm. Right, and right, you right, have to right, be so, right, wild. So focused on so what you're doing and not be startled by a mouse. That's what a great example in life. On your arm. When a mouse, we should use, that's just a great example. Like, oh, there's a mouse on your arm. But you got to keep it. Got to yeah. keep it cool. I love that. Yeah. What is, what's the last time that you can remember that you did something scary on purpose? You went into an environment to explore fear in some way that was intentional. In... In the fall, I went to the back to the White Mountains for my first like solo overnight. I remember this, yeah. Camping trip. I would love to hear more about that. Um, 
that was something that I was a little at the time I was a little hesitant to do Mm -hmm. um, just because I had never done it before but I had picked a place that I had been before like I knew it was in Crawford Notch and I had spent Mm -hmm. a lot of time in Crawford Notch Um, and I stayed at a tent site like a designated tent site Um, so I picked a lot of I made sure that other aspects of what I was doing felt safe to me, even though spending a night alone in the wilderness was what scared me. What drew you to want to do that? Um, I love camping and hiking and being outside. And usually I end up doing it with a buddy, Mm -hmm. but... I don't want to have to rely on another person to so like, that, do that what, something I love. So that was that the driving force to not... Did you invite... Was it intentionally to be a night alone? Was yeah. that That was the idea? Mm-hmm. How did, and, and what did it change for you, if anything? Now I know it's possible. I mean, obviously it was possible. But now I know that I have the capability of doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, over the summer... So I did this in the fall. Over the summer, there were times where... I had 24 hours um, in between, like, shifts at work, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I want to jet up to the mountains and, like, yeah. go for a hike and sleep by a river, and nobody was available, and right, so that held right, me back right, a lot in right. the summer. So in the fall, I was like, let's do this, let's get it over with. What a cool what a cool way to, I mean, a lot of, one of the things, the themes you'll hear about in the podcast and on the Brave program is kind of picking a fear and picking a tangible way to approach it and overcome it. So we can start to kind of pick things that are self-limiting fears. I just thought that was a beautiful, organic example of saying, this is limiting me in some way. I can't do the thing that I want to do. Let me take a tangible step and put together a you know a training system around doing that. That's really cool. Or do you have another plan to do that anywhere else in life? A fear that you kind of want to grab a hold of and do something actionable to increase your your risk tolerance to it yes (laughs) yeah um i've been rock climbing for yeah how's that been it's been good um i've been seeing you on the insta instagrams (laughs) yeah so as i mentioned earlier heights heights and falling has been something like fears of mine since i was young um and rock climbing has helped me overcome that but so starting in the gym, you're tethered into the rope, and it mm-hmm. feels kind of safe, even though there are times when you freeze and you're like, oh, I don't want to fall, even though you have that safety net. Right. And then transitioning outside, like the first time I went outside, it was a lot different, and I was holding on to the rock a lot harder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the next step, after you learn, like, how to climb on a top rope belay system when you're tethered into something from the top. Mm-hmm. You learn lead climbing where you kind of hook into protection as you're climbing. Okay. So um, the way I would explain it is that the person who's belaying you is on the ground and you're um, you're both tied into this rope and there's nothing, when you start, there's nothing in between you. Okay. So your first couple moves you don't have any protection. And then you reach a bolt and you take that rope and you clip in. Okay. And now if I if I were to fall, 
um, where I clipped in would be the stopping point. Okay, okay. Um, so climbing that way is very scary. <laughs> um, I just ask as somebody who's who's has when I asked you fears, you said your initial one was heights. So is was that the drive to start rock climbing? The fear it's of the most heights. Height. I loved ro- I loved rock climbing when I yeah. was younger. Anytime mm-hmm. I went to a gym, rock climbing was the like driving force behind getting over the fear getting. Of okay, heights. I just wondered. I wondered what you know. It's just, I think it's yeah. fun to ask ourselves what comes first. You know, is it like I need to get there, but there's a fear standing in the way, mm-hmm. or I have a fear there, and I want to get over that. You know, it's just an interesting question. Yeah. And I really wonder, where, where does your mountaineering, what is your mountaineering, what are your goals? Like, kind of, what is your vision for you in the mountains um, from here on? I really want to pursue, um, like, becoming a guide. Or... I wanted to talk to you about that on the podcast a bit, just yeah. even for people listening, because I couldn't think of someone I would feel more comfortable being led through some of these early mountain experiences with. So I'd love to hear more about that, what that would look like for you, uh, vision-wise. I guess the first step would be to get certification in, like, wilderness mm-hmm. responding, like, first responding. Um, but I w- that's something I want to do because I've always loved being outside and going camping. Um, I would love to help other people feel at ease in the mountains, mm. which are so unpredictable, but you can be really safe and smart. In Absolutely. The mountains. Yeah. I think a lot of people might not know that or understand how to mm-hmm. do it. Um, well, I, I love that because it's, I think that, you know, a term that we're hearing a little bit on the fringe edges of fitness and self development, I hadn't really heard before, is people talking about fear preparedness. And I think maybe as a, as a, people who've explored physical modalities and we started to realize that we could cool I can run and I can do pull-ups and I can do deadlifts and I can do this and that it's like well what what are the bigger obstacles that we can train for if we look at fear being one of those it's like you will never overcome it so it it makes it really exciting we're never going to be like hey I've ran out of fears uh you know (laughs) because life would probably be pretty boring but I love I love your point to like what is like what is a healthy risk and what is fear preparedness you know, we, we always say, like, at the gym, like, if we took all of our, all the money in the bank at the gym and just went down to Atlantic City and put it all on red, you know, we couldn't really call that, like, a courageous move. Like, it was a brave thing to do. Like, if, if it all worked out, you know, when we doubled it, it, you could look back and say, oh, it's an interesting thing to do. But it wouldn't necessarily have been brave. It would have been kind of, like, on the stupid side of risk. So the idea of helping people prepare and enter the mountains, which are so unpredictable, with those safeties and knowing that no matter how it went that they did diligence is is really really cool how does it work in the gym like when you're because liz is a coach at our gym the distance project you're exceptional at helping new people feel safe i think oh. <laughs> um how, how has that experience been for you as a coach when somebody walks in they don't know what they're kind of like where you were wondering what is this um what are your thoughts on just some of the ways that you've helped people feel safe in a scary environment I first, if I see someone new, I mean, I think the worst thing is to see someone who's feeling uncomfortable. So Mm -hmm. I like to approach them and talk to them, Mm -hmm. um, make sure they feel welcome and try not to like, 
try not to be clicky. It's like that's where it's at. <laughs> it's like you see someone you know, and maybe you have something you want to say to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you see someone you don't know, and you should. I like to take the time to welcome that person. You can always catch up with the person you see later. You are wonderful at that type of welcoming self-awareness. Oh. <laughs> you, know, you really are. Um, I think you've helped so many people in the gym feel really, really uh, like part of the community really soon. Well, so many of the people at the gym have done that for other people and for me. So it's a really nice environment. Um, but also, I think people who are new to movement and exercise, mm-hmm. they want or they might be looking for like affirmation. Like I know if I'm doing something, like the first time I was swinging a kettlebell. Oh yeah, like, and you have to have this thought in your head of, is this right? Yeah, like <laughs> you know, I'm definitely swinging this an... iron ball yeah. up and over my head or wherever, to whatever height you're swinging at. You need somebody to say, "Good job." Yeah, exactly. So just making sure to like notice mm-hmm. and look over and be like, "Oh, hey, that's great," or "I it works for me if I." Yeah. Turn my feet out or like... <laughs> and one, one thing that you have about you as a coach that's really beautiful is such an authenticity in your voice. Because it's easy just to be like, good work, good work, good work. And the person's like, are you sure? <laughs> are you watching me? I don't know if this is good work. It doesn't feel right. But you're really so, so tuned in that when you say something, I think that the person hears it really authentically, which is a beautiful thing. <laughs> Thank you. you know? um, we talked a little bit about where fear has held you back in the past, specifically in a sports context but what about in life what about in endeavors that um, outside of sport are there areas you can think of that fear has held you back and are there areas that you can think of where fear has really helped you that it's been a motivational or driving force um I would say maybe conflict resolution in what way in the past I would I mean, there's, like, the choice to say something, like, say, hey, this is bothering me, can we talk about it? Sure, yeah. Or to leave it unsaid, Mm -hmm. which might be easier. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So, kind of like the fear of the other person's reaction, or the fear of how you might be perceived, I think that type of thing has held me back in the past. Um, Specifically, like, with work conflicts. Yeah. Um... What was, the, what was the question again? Well, just areas that fear has held you back um, outside of a sports context. You know, you mentioned conflict. I know that that's an area for me where when we look at our own emotional reactivity, and I think as we work to build systems around being more courageous in life, it's like, you know, we all have the areas where the, we're the most fearless. I know people who can run in the mountains for days alone, but they're really scared to lose money. You know, they're very, 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 they have, they, have, they have a fear around any, any financial loss. People who are fearless in business, but are really timid in social um, vulnerability. And it's one of the reasons I asked the question, I think, for all of us. I just wonder where fear is a barrier. Um, and I think the more we talk about it, the more we can find yes. areas. Social that... vulnerability, I think, is a really good phrase that, that's definitely something that I've felt before. Um, 
not saying something as opposed to saying something like yeah. kind of keeping quiet fearful of like not meeting the other person's social expectations isn't that an interesting thing that we all do and it's almost as if we diminish ourselves by trying to conform to every room that we're in because we don't want to startle anyone we don't want to, them to feel anger and we're maybe unsure of our own voices so we almost become um, parrots in a way we repeat and then we're not even it's almost as if we're not even there I think that's the hardest thing to get over mm-hmm. is being able to without trying to be a jerk being unafraid to offend by truly being you yeah you know? has, has being on the online platform um, through the Brave program been helpful in that way it's been cool for me to watch some people brand new to it interact with a probably pretty higher level of vulnerability than I've seen on a social media platform yeah, I think it has, it's been helpful for me um, to be able to post something um, that I might not share with ev- with everyone mm-hmm. um, and then have people interact and be like, oh, me too, or like um, give me advice or just like words of encouragement. And then, since it's written, there's always that thought yeah. of, like, this is out here forever. Did, was it amazing <laughs> how many people would write something and then they would admit, they'd, they'd be like, I almost erased that right after. Because, like, you etch it in stone and it's, it's this beautiful, like, fearless, like, like um, relationship with our present selves. Meaning, I can look back at things I've wrote, and I'm sure you can in the past, and maybe we don't hold those beliefs anymore, but that was us then. And having that yeah. etched in stone is beautiful. It's a reflection point instead of having nothing. I think it takes a lot of courage to do that, though. You're amazing at that. It's um, It was a really good lesson for me in that even though it's permanent, people are flexible in the way they perceive us. It's not like harsh, like, oh, I can't believe she said that, or does she actually think that? Um, That's beautiful, right? Like, because, yeah, because it's permanent, but we're not permanent, and neither are the readers permanent, and new people come in with new eyes, and then their eyes evolve and change. That's really, really a cool Yeah, exactly. Point. So that, so like having that in the written, like on the online platform has helped me like see differently in my like face-to-face interactions, which it. has been really cool. Where has fear been a motivator? Where, has it, where have you found fear to be an aid? Maybe you acted more... Um, aggressively to get something done out of fear? Or I'm just wondering, has fear been helpful in, in certain areas of life? Definite, <laughs> definitely in rock climbing. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a, you gotta go, right? Like Yeah. Um, the, se- the second time I went climbing outside with my one of my climbing partners, we... I don't think we fully understood the risk, and we... I've been there. (laughs) I've been there. We misread a route, and we ended up on Uh something way more difficult than we were anticipating. Um, So just like that became really real, where I was belaying for her, and she was leading, and I I wasn't super familiar or comfortable with this type of belaying, but it... It all came together. It had I to, was like, right? Like with, 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 with the consequences higher? Yeah, oh, they were higher. Um, I was like, if she falls, if there's too much slack in this rope, she's going to fall right. onto this platform. Or I'm going to go flying and we're both going to mm-hmm. get hurt. 
So it just all came together. Isn't it amazing how competency comes when risks are high and consequences are real? How amazingly capable we can be? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember a, a similar instance where, like, I was really new to mountains and took a greater risk than I would ever knowingly take now. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, got really scary and really real. And all of a sudden you pull out this inner competency and it's like, wow, what a, what a beautiful lesson I learned here if we extract the right lesson, which is to not be reckless, but to be risk takers, healthy risk takers and intelligent risk takers. Yeah. Yeah. Now the mountains teach us so much. Um, as a question, as we get ready to close one of these first conversations, and you can go anywhere you want with this question, okay. but because it really is just, just a fun thought exercise. What would you do right now if you had no fear? Right now? If I... You had no fear in life. You just had no fear. Like... What's the next steps you would take in, in your life? Right now, immediately? In, in this stage of life. I would... Something I'm hoping to do, or I'm planning on doing in the next few years, is to hike the Pacific Crest Trail. I didn't know that. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. So if I had no fear right now, I would go do that right now. You would go do it right now. <laughs> 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 it, it's 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 funny. It's a lesson that I, I, when I think about fear, I think so many times we, I don't know if you can agree with this, but I feel like a lot of things I've done, I just would have done earlier. Yeah. I would have. I wouldn't have waited. I wouldn't have made it seem like it needed to be a five year journey when it could have happened sooner. Mm-hmm. What holds you back from doing that right now? I miss you so much. <laughs> you left, but it wouldn't be. What? It wouldn't be long. That's one of the things. I, okay, it wouldn't be I'm alone. Like, you said it wouldn't be long. I'm, I'm like, oh, I would miss the gym so much. And then yeah. I'm like, it's only like six months. And you'd come back um, and with what, what an amazing life experience. Yeah. What time, what season would you start that? I haven't even really researched like when is a good time to, to start, start right, that right. one. What draws you to the Pacific Crest Trail uh, specifically? Um, I know there are a ton of through hikes. The most popular ones that... I hear about in my mm-hmm. circle are the Pacific Crest Trail and the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. Um, earlier this year, I went down to Georgia with a friend mm-hmm. on a climbing hiking trip, and it was beautiful and wonderful in every way. But the terrain felt uh, really similar to what we have yeah. in England. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when I went to Washington last summer on a hiking trip. I felt like the mountains and the trees there were so different, and there were oh, wildflowers aren't they? everywhere. It's such a different trip. Yeah, yeah. So experiencing the different, like, terrain completely, um, and plant life and weather conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I'm drawn to the. PCP. What's holding you back from doing it now? Um, <clears throat> skill, not mm-hmm. skill. I can definitely hike and run um probably not enough gear and Mm -hmm. nutrition like I don't feel like I'm prepared to pack to plan nutritionally for myself for Mm -hmm. that long and have to carry all my food and water right um other commitments like work commitments and yeah. I can't wait to see you do this at some point. I didn't know that you wanted to do the PCT. That's really, really cool. I'm excited. Um, what, what would you say to anybody listening who is dealing with the fear in their life that they wanted to 
take some action on? I would say first identify the fear. Make sure you yourself, excuse me, um, you yourself know what it is. Um, and then start small. I would start say, small. Yeah. yeah. Start in environments that are semi uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. still a little familiar, and then keep progressing, because that's how development happens. Yes, completely. Um, completely. Yeah, like children don't learn to read by opening up a giant textbook. Like, they start with picture books. All the time, you know, and I, I think that if one, one thing that inspires me through some of the work that we're doing through Brave and, and this podcast is I haven't really seen, like, tangible training programs to overcome fear, but it's just like you pointed out, right? Like, we have to identify what it is because I think sometimes fear can seem like this big, deep, dark mountain, and we put all of our fears in one big box, and then it's the scariest box in the world to ever try to open. You know, it's like, I'm never opening that box. Everything I've ever been scared of is in there. <laughs> Instead of like, oh, let me pull one out, and it's hiking at night. Mm-hmm. And then you start to microdose it, right? And go out into a local trail with a headlamp on, or it's a fear of social vulnerability. You know, I'm going to post something on an online forum um, instead of trying to tackle them all at once. So I, I love that advice. Uh, anything else to leave the, the people with about you, your work? before we uh, sign off from episode number one? I don't think so. Well, then we have to have you back for an episode number (laughs) next. (laughs) That would be awesome. Liz, it's such an honor to be doing this with you. We've we've definitely been taking a crazy journey together the past couple of years. I think as we both explore our own development and work in a coaching atmosphere to help be part of other people's development um, and be really development hungry ourselves. I can't wait to, even as we watch this podcast evolve, sit again in six months and sit again in six months after that and watch how both of us begin to think with the influence of other voices um, just deeper about, about fear uh, preparedness as a skill that we can apply to all these different realms of our lives, sport, business, relationships, honesty, vulnerability, friendship. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so Thank you. much for being a part of this. It's been so incredible. Really exciting. This whole week, I was like, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> I love it, Liz. I can't wait to see where we're at with this podcast in a year. We're going to be talking to people all around Maine about fear, how we interact with it, interface with it, and how we build kind of a training community around it. So so honored to be, uh, to be on the road. Um, and having kicked this off with you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you to our listeners for watching and listening uh, to episode number one. And uh, we're so grateful to have you. We can't wait to keep this project going. Signing off.